We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. We're about, I don't know, it's been a week almost, right? Just uh, six days since the Yankees got their butts kicked at Fenway Park. And their season ended, and we have heard... Crickets, absolute silence, nada, zippo from the Yankees organization. Normally, we get that season-ending press conference where Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone tell us how close this team is, how they're just one bounce away, and then they they were going to be World Series champions. That hasn't happened yet. That could... Did it happen the week after they lost last year? Um, Rich, I saw, tweeted out, uh, Rich Kaufman said it happened uh, five days after last yeah, year and obviously that th- they let it let it breathe this this um because they ended on a tuesday i thought maybe we'd get it friday and when you do it on a friday you kind of bury anything right like because that's like pr 101 especially from the yankees organization like if if it's going to be bad news and bads and you're going to be fielding bad questions try and minimize the the press conference as much as possible so you do it on on a on a Friday before a long weekend, because Monday's a holiday for for many people in their jobs, and you got the NFL and everything like that, and the MLB playoffs. Like I thought, they'd just like slip it in at four o'clock on Friday afternoon, and then it just like gets buried in all the other crap. We haven't had. Well, it I yet, guess it though. it depends. It depends on what you you know deem as bad news. Well, this is the and, thing and wanting to be buried. That's the thing because I don't know which way they're right. going on the bad news front. So people are people are. Is it bad news if he comes back, or is it? Bad news in their eyes if if we get a you know a, a job vacancy. Well, so here's they're they're obviously taking their time because I think they are making they're discussing internally. I think if you're going to bring back Aaron Boone, and you can't do that press conference until you absolutely know who if Aaron Boone is coming back next year, right? Because that's the first question that gets asked: Is Aaron Boone your manager in 2022? You can't say we're right. still deciding. You can't do the press conference if you don't have an answer. No, I agree with that. So the answer either has to be yes or no. And if it's no, okay, 
then it, it, they're going to go through the hiring process. You don't have to know who the manager is if it's no, but it needs to right. be a yes or a no. It can't be up in the air. If this is still up in the air and this is something that they don't know which way they're going, I, I again, throw my uh, just throw my, my, my puzzled hat on, my puzzled face on, because you should know which direction you're going at this point, whether it's this was not good enough or this was good enough, let's keep going. You should know that by now. It, it is what it is. There's not a lot of decision-making that goes into what the situation currently is. I mean, I, I don't, you either have convictions one way or the other. What if- There's no middling ground here. What if Brian Cashman is trying to talk Hal Steinbrenner into keeping the current staff in place and that he's trying to tell them that we're still on the right course. This ship is sailing in the right direction. We just had a, we just I, had an unlucky year. What if Cashman is trying to convince oh, Hal of that? I just throw up in my mouth a little bit. The- Look, they did have some unlucky parts of the year. There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, if you have not had this discussion throughout the year, throughout this entire, the course of this season, if this discussion was not, you know, a fluid one, something that was happening, then you're not doing your job. And how doesn't have control or the, you know, he's not pulling the trigger one way or another. That's the problem here. One of the, one of the biggest problems that we've talked about all year long is accountability. And it comes from the very top. And with the lack of accountability, usually comes the lack of decision-making and actually going forth with something that you believe in to set the course in one way or another. They've been dicking around in the middle. This, that, the team is unlucky. The team is getting better. The talent is there. We don't know. They're making uh, major adjustments at the trade deadline. Like, which way are you going? Which way are you going? And how, unfortunately, just doesn't seem to have the... The initiative, the the moxie, the bulls to come out and say that this is a problem and, and we need to change course. Or he doesn't believe it, which is a bigger problem. I just don't think he treats the Yankees like we want him to treat the Yankees because his dad, George, treated it like any fan who we talk to would treat it, where I'm going to do anything I can to win every year. That's the number one and that is the only priority. Hal's priorities... Yeah, winning is is on the list, but also running a good organization that makes money every year is on the list. I roll I my eyes roll at your that eyes, so but badly. Th- this is well, a business the reason because if for them. It, I, okay, if you have a team that is a in a in a in a good place in the eye of the fans, the business will work. The business will operate well. It's the New York Yankees. You don't have to do that much to get it into a good place. You can actually just change course a little bit. And I believe that they will actually create a better product. No, no, no. That, I, that is what's happening because the public perception of the product right now is bad. And when the public perception of the product is bad and you're the New York Yankees, you're just kind of resting on your laurels. You're resting on the fact that you're the New York Yankees. If you actually made some tweaks and 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 showed that you're within the century and, and you understand the, the game of baseball today and you're trying to, quote, close the gap on the rest of the league internally— then maybe, then maybe your business model and your business will thrive even more, even more. It's never going to be bad. It's the Yankees. To play devil's advocate, what if Hal is looking at it saying, we came off 2019 where we, where we were the second best regular season team, and then we lost in the American League Championship Series, possibly to a team that was cheating. And then we went out and signed the best free agent on the market. 2020 is a throwout year because it was the COVID shortened season. And then 2021... We just got we just got a little unlucky. 
He put it on the players in June of this year. Now, maybe he's changed his opinion in the last three months with how the season actually played out and specifically how it ended. But I'm not 100% certain of that. I could still think he blames it on the players. And and he believes in Brian Cashman in the way that this organization is being run from a baseball ops standpoint. He trusts Cashman like he's a son. Okay? Brian Cashman might as well have a hyphenated last name of Cashman Steinbrenner at this point. <laughs> yeah, it, you're not wrong in that way. And and I understand that. I get it. He's been in the organization for a long time. Since like 1986. It's a, it's a, it's a different situation. The guy started... He was an intern as an getting intern. donuts and coffee, okay? He was calzones. He was getting, he was getting calzones, calzones. Like freaking Costanza at a local Bronx deli. And in, now he's the general manager of the Yankees. And has yeah, been in for some in some two in decades. some ways he might be the favorite the favorite child of George. What if he's the favorite child? What if he's what, what if, if he's, he's the, what if Hal? I think I know. What, what if Hal's pulling like a Ted Lasso here and going internally and trying to like uh, you know minimize the organization to a point to dr- just drive us all insane? Maybe maybe there's bad reasonings here. Maybe there's there's some uh, some spite going on. And Brian Cashman is the son that George always wanted. Or maybe he's George's son from. Or maybe he is George's son. <laughs> but what if Brian Cashman just like wormed his way into the will and somehow like like uh, inceptioned George into like signing away actually all the power to Brian Cashman? So Hal Steinberg, even though he is a Steinberg and a figurehead, has no He's real just power. There. That's that's a that's a that's a good that's a good conspiracy theory. That and I could see it. I could see it going down too. Well, at this point, I could see it going down. Bit, you know, George signed something to be on Seinfeld to actually be on Seinfeld, and it's really not just like a, a waiver. It's something a little bit more than that. I mean, if that came out twenty years later, Brian Cashman took over the general manager job in nineteen ninety eight. It's a long time to be the general manager, manager, whatever you want to call it, in one position in one franchise. That's a that's like unprecedented run. And yes, obviously they've had a lot of success. The first wave of championships, he was the general manager, but let's all be honest that those were not his constructions, okay? Stick Michael. Yeah, his construction was more the mid to late 2000s team, even though it was still the core of the core four, all drafted and developed by the Stick Michael era. Brian Cashman added the finishing touches to that 2009 team. Unfortunately, they only won in 2009. I think maybe we'd Think of that era differently if they backed it up with another championship or something like that after 09, but they didn't. Then this 2016, let's call it the 2016 rebuild, right, at the trade deadline, this was his. This was his mark where he's really got his fingerprints all over it. I remember, I forget the year, but Cashman was potentially going to leave. And he kind of convinced the the Yankees organization to go in a different direction. Trust the analytics. Trust player development. Let's invest there. Let's not just go out and sign every free agent that we can and sort of re-churn that every single season because that's not sustainable. And then they still did stupid things like sign Jacoby Ellsbury and Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran in one offseason. But hey, that's neither here nor, here nor there. You just put, you just put uh, uh, analytics and player development in the same sentence and in the same category. Did you... Did you mean to do that? Did you do you think that they are synonymous? No, I think that's that's. I mean, that's. I uh, remember that. Was that a documentary or like an MLB Network feature where Brian? It was like inside Brian Cashman's organization. You remember this? Am I making this up? I, I just Maybe. remember a bunch of people in the Yankees organization being interviewed, and they were just preaching 
analytics and player development. Analytics as far as how you find talent, but also you need to invest in the draft and developing players because that's a sustainable model. Okay, so they're complementary. They're not. They're I'm not saying one they're the same. The same. They're, I'm they're, saying that you need to have yeah. both running at in parallel with one another to have a successful organization. But you can also yeah, I agree with that. Still spend a ton of money at the major league level. I mean, I think the Yankees should be using the Dodgers as the model. They should not be using the Rays as the model. They should be using the Dodgers as the model. The Dodgers spend the most, or if not the most, in baseball, and they always have a good crop of young players coming up. They're very analytically driven. They're a, a good, a big market team. And for a decade straight, they've been a World Series favorite in the National League. That's what the Yankees should aspire to be. That's what they should be with their resources and their their organization. I mean, the Dodgers won in a short year, so you could argue that it hasn't But they went to the World Series the in 17 goal. and 18, okay? I, I understand if you get to the World Series, then a few things can can bounce the other way and then you can maybe call that unlucky. If you're the Dodgers, you say, oh, we made it to the World Series and we lost to a team that was proven to be cheating. And then we waned it to the World Series and lost to a team that was most likely cheating in the same way because Alex Cora was running that team. Okay? At least you made it to the dance. I'm playing devil's advocate in in what you're saying. Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone have sat there telling us they're close. Dude, you haven't even been invited to the dance. Um... Okay, so back to uh, back to what we were talking what about, were we talking and about? and the fact that they are not ha- they have not had their press conference yet, and why that is. So it, it's one way or another. They're either prepping the the blowback for keeping Aaron Boone there, or prepping for all the questions and why Aaron Boone did not succeed with this current team, and what the path is forward for success in the current roster that they have. Right? Those are the two scenarios. I would say both are, scenario are three, easy scenarios on the PR. Front. Wild card scenario three is Brian Cashman is not returning. Yeah, I still think that that is very far fetched. I don't think it's going to happen. I agree with that, but that that is a scenario. That's scenario three. In which case, that is a, a very very different press conference because it's not Brian Cashman talking. It's it's Hal talking in that press conference. Right. Yes, that is a different that is a different beast and uh, and. And knowing knowing the way that they've been working recently, they'll probably go for the find a manager first and then hire the GM. Which is <laughs> kind of the way things it feels like it's backwards. Um, but I don't I don't see that happening. If you look across Twitter, uh, Brian Hoke, uh, a number of other number of other guys that I've seen, uh, Clappish I think said it as well. A lot of them have good guys that I trust that have good vibes or tentacles into the organization are saying that that Boone's going to be back. So that's what you know the 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 whispers are saying it's it's uh that that would just be status quo and i don't know how you they can be okay with this status quo it's it's and it would be on the back of a new deal i know that that's that's a that's an important piece of this because right now they have an out they have an exit it's very clean there's no contract it is what it is they they actually have to put him on the back of a new deal probably a, a new three contract. or a four year deal you're basically saying this is our guy for the rest of this these this player core, the rest of this run, Aaron Boone's the guy. That's yep. what you're saying if so, you resign him. Correct. Yes, that is that is uh, that is because we're talking about Boone. I want to just we we I freaked out about the close the gap comment that I that he said after the wild card loss, and we didn't have much context to it because it was just a tweet uh, after the game. But I want to read you the exchange. 
So Lindsay Adler, I know Lindsay's been on this podcast and I think she always asks good questions and, and pushes, pushes, right? She pushes for, for the next level yeah. that not all beat reporters do. So props to Lindsay. She said, you said that the league has closed the gap with you guys. Do you believe the way your team has played over the last couple of years has played like a team that's been really leading the pack in baseball? Fantastic question. Aaron Boone, looking back to 2018 and 2019, I feel like it was a few teams that were, you know, I feel like we were on, we were one of those teams, like truly capable and really razor thin between us winning the world championship and the Red Sox or the Astros. You know, the last year was obviously a little different and odd and whatever, built in excuse, 2020 COVID year. But this year, can we just, can we just say like between us and, and competing for a world championship, why do you have to say us winning the world championship. That that's that's such a a big difference for me. It just it just shows that you, you weren't close to winning well, it. Okay. He believes Maybe you because felt like they you were lost. close to having a caliber roster to win it, to, to to compete for it at a high level. Like, okay, say things like that. Don't say that you were close to winning it because you weren't. Right. He goes on, but this year I do feel like there's more teams that are on the come that the way that are way more competitive with us that have closed the gap with us. It's not just the Rays and the Red Sox and the Astros anymore. It's the Blue Jays. It's the central teams that are coming. It's the Mariners and the Angels. These teams are on ground with us, and we need to keep getting a little better. The Angels, Scott, did they finish over 500 this year? Uh, Did they end up, the way you're saying that, no. I don't know. I don't close. know the answer. I, I, I'm pretty sure they did. I think they did. The way you said it, I I thought it was a trick question, but I think they did uh, end up over 500. Uh, no, in no, a, in no, a, they didn't. No, or close no, to it. No, they finished 77 and 85. Okay. The Angels. <laughs> they're brainwashing us. They felt like they're at 500. You couldn't say that for a team that wasn't 500. It's, it's just That's what I was thinking in my head. You couldn't say that. You couldn't be that crazy. So maybe right? he meant to say the Athletics or the White Sox or whatever. Whatever. He just misspoke. He just had the wrong team. Whatever. He said the wrong team. It's, it's, a, it's still a moronic statement. So if his point, I understand his point, right? His point is that in 2018 the field has gotten better. and 2019, there was only a handful of teams and we were one of them. And now we're closer to the middle of the pack. Okay. Did the league close the gap on you or did you just get a lot worse? I think you just got a lot worse because in 2018, you won 100 games. And then in 2019, you won like 104 games or something like that. You won 90 games this year. Well, we can look at who who went out and aggressive, who actually got better. The, the, um, the Rays didn't go out and just get better. They just sustained and then added nice pieces. They actually... Let me let me because they had some uh, some minor leaguers that came up as well. So yeah, they did get better, but they did it because they're systematically a better team in an organization. They got better for those reasons. It was a long time coming. It wasn't like they just reacted. Um, the Blue Jays got better. They they went out and made made deals. They got uh, they were aggressive in free agency. They filled gaps, but they also have a very young nucleus. I'd say the White Sox got better. The Twins tried to get better but failed. The Angels. While not a 500 team, you could say got better because Mike Trout was out. They're Otani a really tough 77-win team. The Seattle Mariners uh, somehow finished better. Can't say that they went out and got better, but they just finished better. And maybe that's just because of, uh, you know, player development. Who knows? Um, the Athletics got 
sustained. They're always yeah, a pesky the team. Athletics always Billy win Bean like no eighty-eight to ninety-four wins, and they're always kind of fighting for a wild card spot. Since the Red Sox got better, that's who got better. I can tell you that the Red Sox they they made changes. Did they get better, or did they just take a season off last year? I think they got better. I think they they actually went out and got guys that were complementary to the skill set that they had, and they put together a well-rounded team. What's the biggest change they, they in the had, Red Sox their, their pitching staff was dog shit. You look at their pitching, pitching staff at the beginning of the year. There was nobody—it's nobody there. These names— you look. We we were laughing at that. Still, kind of not not a great pitching staff, but they they put it together to to get to this point, and now they have a game up on the Rays because of guys like Jake Pavetta who have come in there and are throwing you know seventy five mile an hour curveballs. They made they made adjustments and and they fixed it. They made adjustments because Alex Cora is ah, a better ah, manager. That's the biggest change the Red Sox made between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. That's part of it. That's part of it. But they also got very good like complimentary players all right so maybe maybe it's a combination of the yankees getting worse and the league getting better i mean certainly the the division has improved and the biggest team that has improved is toronto and the yankees got their butts kicked in the american league east all season all season the teams mopped the floor with them toronto boston tampa they you you had losing records to all those teams the more i'm the more i'm thinking about these comments the more they're pissing me off because the yankees also got better on paper, right? They did. They went out and made moves. They made moves. They got the best pitcher out on the market. They made moves and and did that. They got that. They signed uh, DJ LeMayhew to the long term contract. Yes, he was on, in the house, but they they went out and, and got him. They they made uh, you know two trades at the deadline. One of them will help in the future. One of them probably not. But they they got better in theory. They on paper they got better. But where they got better are areas that were not. Complimentary to the baseball team. Some of them were known injury guys that unfortunately didn't help the team in the long run. They just, they tried to get better in ways that didn't actually work. And that's different than the league closing the gap. That's you trying and failing to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as we, we pointed out for the last couple off seasons, there's been, let's talk about just the lineup. There's been a glaring weakness that this lineup has had and that it's right-handed heavy and it doesn't make enough contact. And they didn't do anything about that until July of this year. They let that linger for three off seasons, basically. Yeah. Because they thought, again, that's the old beat my head against the wall approach and say that this is just going to work. At some point, this is going to work. This is going to work. Look at the names. This is going to work. They're going to hit home runs. The law of averages says this is going to work. And it does in the regular season for the most part. It does. And it will it will put you in a position to, you know, get into the playoffs or maybe even win the the East. But it doesn't it doesn't work in short sample sizes as much. It does it, not this not this construction. But I don't people. even think we can just say that this team in the long run in the long run this year they they finished in third place in the division. Yeah, this year it did not work. I say for the most part you can get away with it. For and over 60 games over, last over year. Over 160. You want to say 60 games. games in baseball is a small sample size. Okay. But the 60 games last year were pretty reminiscent of what the 160 games were this year. So if you want to say 2020 was an outlier, let's just combine 2020 and 2021 because the team was largely the same. And they were, they're not a playoff team when you combine those two seasons. Because in 2020, they only made the playoffs because of the expanded field. And this year, they were the second wild card team. So you're 
bub- you're on the bubble of making the playoffs or not making the playoffs when you combine a hunt was that a hundred a hundred and uh two hundred and and twenty games that's not, that's not a small sample the size they would have missed the playoff last year they would have if they didn't expand it yes no it's it's uh it's they gotta change things and that's what I'm afraid I'm afraid that there's not going to be any change so I don't know when that press conference is coming continue. I don't know it, it, we're talking Monday uh, just before 10 a.m they might announce it that it's noon on Monday like we, they it might just be quick they might just Get it out there. It might blindside us all. They might schedule it for Tuesday. Well, whatever it is, we'll obviously get back on and talk about what they said. If it's status quo, I think it's going to piss a lot of people off. They're going to get a lot of backlash if 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 there's no indication of major change coming. And they need to be ready for that backlash. Yeah. The um. So there's going into this offseason. Obviously, there's a uh, there's an elephant in the room with the CBA. And we'll see how that thing plays out, if there's a work stoppage or not. A lot of people predict that there will be a work stoppage. But the Yankees are going to be approaching this offseason if they stay the course with, again, kind of handcuffed in a lot of the things that they can do. There, there's just not a ton, unless you're eating some contracts or you're making complete uh, pivots away and you're, and you're trading guys for less less value than, uh, than you paid. There's not a ton that they can be doing to drastically reshape this roster. And that's a problem. Yeah, they, it, I think um, so. One thing that Aaron Judge said after the game was that he wants to be a Yankee for life. One thing that I, I might we might see this offseason before the CBA. I don't know if it's I, I don't know if it's good or bad to do before the CBA is an Aaron Judge extension. Couple things. Do you think they'll extend him now? I mean, he had the best season of his career since his rookie season in 2017. He stayed healthy, which was the the number one thing, and he basically him and Stanton basically carried the offense in the second half. So I think both of those players, we got good things from. But why is Aaron Judge saying this now? Do you think he has like a sniff, a whiff of maybe the Yankees are going to make changes and, oh, I make the most sense to be traded because I bring back the most value? Well, I think he gets loaded up by questions. So he usually tries to answer questions as uh, as PC and vaguely as he can. And, and I think that's kind of it too. He, th- that's going to be a major question in the offseason. Like he's, when you look at what the, the Yankees are and you look at their current value and what, what player, I mean, he's, he's at the top of the list. You know, he's a, he's a very good player. Obviously they, he's a great player. I'd say he's, and he is just making it known that he wants to be a Yankee for life, which I appreciate. He should be a Yankee for life. Yeah. He'll probably finish uh, third in MVP this year, right? Otani, Vlad, and then judge. Yeah. I saw an argument for Otani not being MVP. Come on, I know the Angels oh, only won seventy-seven games, but what the man did this no, year? No, no, is no, no, insane. no. It was, uh, it was Pedro. It was Pedro talking about okay. So most valuable. Um, if you look at the the pitching side of it, he's not among the Cy Young. He's not among like the best in the leaders in pitching. So why would he be more more valuable than someone who is uh, extremely you know more valuable than him on the offensive side? because that's usually an offensive category. It was just an interesting thing that he was saying because the pitching stats were not among the the, the league leaders just because he was there. I mean, it's not like he just showed up. I mean, he was still very good, yeah. but they weren't among the league leaders. It was just an interesting little wrinkle of, a, of an argument. I think it's horseshit. I still think he's the most valuable player in the, in the major leagues. I don't think it's close. Um, I mean, when if you they, if you're focused on that, it goes back word. to what they need to do. The, they need to change the name of the the 
Well, so Otani kind of breaks that the trophy. Otani is the exception to the. So there's the argument. Whenever Mike Trout would win the MVP and the Angels would finish in last place, people would say like, "Well, how valuable is he? They didn't make the playoffs, but he hit 340 with 45 home runs." It's like, okay, is it the best player award or the most valuable player award? Now Otani completely turns that on its head because if you're talking about value to the roster, he's clearly the most valuable. He does two things for only one spot. And he does two things yeah. well. So, yeah. shut up, Pedro. <laughs> um, but he doesn't do them both at an elite level. He hits at an elite level? What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, he, hit, he does. He hits at an elite level. I'm just. This is what his argument was. I'm not saying I agree with it. I just thought, I, I had never heard that. And I thought it was Leave it to Pedro, right? Is he bitter that he didn't yeah. win an MVP or something? I don't know what he's bitter about. He, yeah, But I, I don't know what he's bitter about. <laughs> his neck keeps growing, though. He looks like a bullfrog. <laughs> In the suits, like you just that neck keeps going. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. One thing that's gone around Yankees Twitter this week as everyone's playing off-season general manager is that the many Yankees fans do not want the Yankees to be in on Carlos Correa. He's obviously a free agent. He's probably the top free agent shortstop. The Yankees don't have a shortstop on the roster. Uh, we, got a, we got a bunch of tweets, but this one from Paul, I figured I'd read. Says I follow you guys and like your podcast. Allow me to go on record saying a big fat no to Correa. Clemens, Damon, Boggs were just competition. Correa actively participated in a cheating system that cost the Yankees a World Series and Judge an MVP. Screw him. So, I, from a baseball standpoint, you cannot logically make an argument that Correa does not make the Yankees better. However, would he be bad for the clubhouse because there's too much vitriol? among players towards Astros players. And I think you could make an argument for that. Yeah, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg here. As a fan, oh God, God no, do I want anybody from that team on this team. Not even close. Carlos Correa is, is, I've said this before, before all this came out and he was in the limelight of that playoff run, he became likable in my eyes because of the stories uh, you know, of him growing up, learning English to talk to reporters. Like, this was all things that he said because he wanted to be a Major League Baseball player and he had the confidence and, and to talk about it. I appreciated that. I thought it was a cool story. 
proposed to his girlfriend, you know, after winning. Like there was something, there were a lot of likable things about him. And then he became one of the worst in baseball by just not shutting up. He just wouldn't shut up. He would just kept going and talking about it and acting like nothing was wrong. This guy needs to stay as far away from Yankee pinstripes as humanly possible. I don't care if he's the greatest player of all time, which he's not, but I don't care if he is. I don't want him on the team. I have to root for the the, the guys that wear our uniform, and I don't want him wearing the uniform. He mentioned Johnny Damon. That's an interesting one. I, I, I hated it when Johnny Damon came over to the Yankees, and I never really turned the corner with him. Yeah, he had some big big home runs. He was a big part of, of some good teams. But I still never really liked him. I still don't like him. I still think he's an he's a he limbo. snubbed us. He's he a, snubbed us for a podcast. <laughs> he uh, yeah, two, a couple of years ago for it was a it was like a sponsored gig. Too. Yeah, I uh, I think I talked about this. Story. It was a sponsored appearance. It was a sponsored appearance. It was at Yankee Stadium during a game. I was there, and we were supposed I was supposed to interview him for. It was going to be quick. It was going to be like five minutes, and and then his agent, last minute or manager, whoever whoever was organizing it said he's not going to do it but he was still there people were talking to him i talked to him man was shit-faced i think that's why he didn't want to do it which fine anyway fine um you could go on cameo right now and pay five dollars okay you don't want to touch carlos correa i understand that but there's also simeon story correa Baez, like angelton simmons like there's a shit ton of shortstops on the market this year not that angelton simmons would be a long-term option but between short-term gap fixes and and long-term options at shortstop. Yankees are going to have to do something because they don't have a shortstop on the roster. You cannot go into next season with Gio Urshela and Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez as your shortstop. It's just, it's not going to happen. If you believe that uh, Peraza or Volpe can be in the Yankees and contribute in 2023, that means you need to fill the gap in 2022. Maybe that's Andrelton Simmons for a year. Maybe that's a that's a... If, if the CBA is wonky this year and guys aren't getting contracts, maybe you overpay for a one-year shortstop and, and add a bunch of you know frills to the contract so the guy is willing to take like a $35 million one-year contract because he's not getting anything. I don't know. But they need to be— why, why, why can't you go after and get a good player that—why can't you go get a good player that plays shortstop right now that, that also could play a different position? Like That's definitely a possibility. That's a, that's a possibility. Need, I think that's just— You don't need to just say, just because we got two guys coming up doesn't mean you need to say, okay, we need to abandon the shortstop position in the free agent market if it's a long-term play and overspend. I don't agree with that necessarily. I think that there's some guys out there that could actually go and potentially change position, move around in the infield. Like, third base isn't—I mean— it depends on on what happens. Uh, I guess LeMahieu is going to be at third base at this point, uh, but I could see him going to first base as well. So there are places that you can you can maneuver a guy. I know it's uh, just the rest of the infield is maneuvering though. So that's the problem. It's like okay, now you've got four infielders that are all maneuvering around. I'm just saying it shouldn't put you out of the market if you have if you believe a player is a good fit for the team. My 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 point that I was trying to get to is that if the Yankees pass up on these big free agent shortstops and then they don't solve the shortstop problem in 2023 they missed a golden opportunity well and i think that's you're you're not wrong it's it that's a big risk that's a big risk especially with the 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 roster especially if they believe that this is a roster that you know is a is razor thin from winning the um winning the world series then then yeah they they need to not just stand pat they need to double down and make a move that's going to put them over the top. Like they said, everybody's catching up. So you can't wait another year for 
everybody else to pass you, and then you're you know you're going to rely on a, a rookie for for that shortstop position, which is so crucial. They gotta make they gotta solidify that that position. They just need to do it in a way that makes sense long term, and is complementary. That and they just haven't proven to do that. That's what worries me. Last thing I want to talk about is the the playoffs, specifically the American League. And man, it's just. Unfortunately, it feel like we're headed towards an Astros Red Sox ALCS, and that's just the worst case scenario for for a lot of Yankees fans. Because, okay, obviously we all hope the White Sox pull it out of their ass and can somehow beat the Astros, and then they're the team that represents the American League because no one really cares about the White Sox. But I'm not too hopeful on that. The Rays are the lesser of three evils when you're talking about Astros, Red Sox, Rays, and. The Red Sox are giving them a damn fight. I didn't think it was going to happen. After Chris Sale gave up that grand slam in the first inning in game two, I'm like, Red Sox are getting embarrassed. I'm just happy the Yankees aren't getting embarrassed because that's what would have happened. Because you know damn well, if in game two, the Yankees are down 0-1 and then their starting pitcher gives up a grand slam, they're they're going to sleep. They're not coming back. The Red Sox fought back, though. And then they won game three on one of the weirder plays I've ever seen on a baseball field extra innings, the ball bounces off the wall, then off the chest of of the outfielder and over the fence. And it's a ground rule double when that happens. And there was a runner on first base who was going to score easily. He was at third base when the ball's bouncing over the stands and he has to stop at third base because it's a two-base rule. The rule clearly states it's two bases. So by the letter of the law, the play was called right. The Red Sox won the game. They ended up winning the game on a two-run home run, so maybe it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But my problem with all this is just like, why can't the sport of baseball use common sense? Common sense says that runner scores. He's going to score, no matter what. Why is there just a lack of common sense throughout the sport in so many situations? Because I think when you let, when you put in... Co- First of all, the, the runner should have scored. But but um, when you when you enter into a world of common sense, that becomes a very uh, very debatable topic. You know what is common sense? What is not? What is common sense to so one person may not be common sense to another person. So I mean, rules by by nature should be rooted in definites, right? Yes or no, this or that. There there shouldn't be much gray area in any rule, and and I think that's one of the reasons why um, these things are written the way that they are. The two-base rule in the in the lines that everybody's calling out for Twitter, if the ball deflects off of uh, somebody and bounces back out of play, it's, as the rule states, two bases from the time of the pitch. So that takes all gray area out of it at that point. Yeah. That, that is the, the written rule. Whereas ground rule doubles have the... Umpire uh, discretion. discretion umpire. Umpires can say... If that was a clean de- ground rule double, didn't hit the the outfielder, the umpire could use discretion and say the runner scores. Now, I've never you say you've seen umpires use discretion and award three bases. I can't pl- I cannot uh tell you an exact time, but yeah, I feel like I've seen it. I can't recall it ever not just being two automatic bases because again, that's the rule and umpires don't want to have to use their discretion and then hear it from the other umpire or hear it from the other manager. And every and people last night were bringing up the 2004 ALCS, the Tony Clark double into the corner. Ruben Sierra, there's two outs. It was game five. Ruben Sierra would have scored easily if that ball doesn't 
bounce into the stands. Umpire discretion could have said Ruben Sierra was running on contact. He was three steps from third base when the ball's in the stands. Like, there's no chance they're going to they're gonna throw him out at home. The Yankees would have scored a run, but the umpire didn't use his discretion. He just said, nope, ground rule double, two plus two bases for everybody. And so the Yankees got screwed there, and I think the Rays got screwed last night, even though by the letter of the law, they didn't get screwed. But from the common sense law, which I wish just more people in life would use, that runner needs to score. Unfortunately, it's it's when you have a rule book that's printed, you can't you can't have that much common sense within it unless the rule is designed around common sense sense, but but again leaves gray area. As soon as you say open to to umpire's discretion, now you're leaving the game in the balance of someone's decision making. But it's isn't that technically how games are? Like balls and strikes. Like I in the moment balls and yeah. strikes, there's there's a rule. What's a ball, what's a strike? But Ultimately, it's how the umpire interprets the pitch if it's a call to ball or a strike. And those yeah, all factor into the result fair. of the game. And we have replay. You can tell on replay where the guy right. was, where the so ball was. So this is and, where I think that. with replay, it can not even go to the umpires. It can go to the booth in, in Manhattan or whatever. And they can see, okay, the runner was X number of steps from third base when the ball is out at the warning track. It, there's no chance he doesn't score and just and just call it that way. And I think we have the technology now to do that, that maybe when that rule was written, probably in 1950, we didn't have the technology. Also, this we might have stumbled on a loophole that I don't know how someone could possibly take advantage of, but what's stopping an outfielder from purposefully deflecting a ball into the stands in order to keep a runner from advancing more than two bases? First of all, it's really hard to I do. I know, One, but you could two. do it with your glove. You go, oh, I'm going for it. Oh, it fell out of my glove into the stands. Yeah, I don't know. In a moment, I I, I can't see it. I can't uh, see it happening that's either. Like, that's but, like being defeated, and if it's a closer play, I don't know. But it, there that, is a you loophole would have to, You would have to really be in a moment, really in the moment, like seeing the guy running on the pitch, knowing that you have no, no chance in hell, tight game, bat it over, and pray to God that you bat it over correctly. Not looking like a complete asshole. I know, but like, and not screw because all because what you do is you you hit it the wrong way, and then it goes. You know, now it's an inside the park home run. So, I, I don't see that, and I'm sure I'm sure there's something about uh, in the rule the the way that the rule is written. Does it say inadvertent? Does it say anything about you know not being intentional? But then that's it, inadvertent that is up is up to interpretation. What's 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 inadvertent? Did he try to do that? I guess. Did the hand go forward? <laughs> Was there? Yeah, yeah, back into know. the left. Yeah, this Scott, is uh, back into the left. It, it gets it gets uh, it gets a little dicey with that one. But you're right. It, it definitely it was a bad break. And if it was a ground rule double, same thing would have happened. Right, right, right. If the ball never touched, it would have been just cleaner. It would have been cleaner. The runner would have been probably a little bit further away from third base, although not that much because it didn't take a lot, long time for that to happen. Um, and clearly, uh, you know, they the rule the rule was not known at that point. Hunter Renfro instinctively tried to grab the ball as it bounced off of him. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I mean this is like... Instinct, that, that, that's, instincts take over at that point, so that that's the other purpose of like not being... Rule 5.05A8. <laughs> no shit, the rule's not well known. It's like a sub-rule to a sub-rule to a sub-rule. Like, what the, f- what the hell? Of course no one's going to know that. That's my... But that's a th- okay, so now that they know it, they're going to do no, it. No, They're going to bat it over. But again, that gets back to the common sense thing, right? The outfielder went for the ball because he's like, oh shit, the runner's going to score. Common sense says the runner's going to score. 
That's my. That's Maybe my. glove manufacturers will put a flat surface on the back. Yeah, you get of a battering the, ram of the glove so that you can smack it like ping pong. I just, I mean, the Rays won a hundred games this year, and I think they were. I they're my pick to make the World Series from the American League. I think they're the most complete team in the American League, but the Red Sox obviously are a game away from upsetting them, and. I don't think the Yankees would have been playing the Rays as tough is, is, I guess, what's pissing me off. It's not so much that the Red Sox are playing the Rays tough. It's that I know the Yankees would not be playing the Rays tough. Just because this team this year, they would have laid down. They would not have come back. They, they don't fight through adversity. All that kind of stuff. I don't think that any of that would have mattered. It just would have mattered if they were on one or not on one. <laughs> that's That's essentially what this team came down to. They were either on a torrid hot streak offensively, or they weren't, and that was the re- that was that that is ultimately what got them to the uh, the path of success or not. They had to be absolutely scorching on fire, and and usually Stanton was was at the helm of that. But it was just it was so hit or miss. You didn't know you didn't know what you were going to get. You could get a a team that that lights the world on fire, and then you could get a team that you know is is booting balls in the infield, and uh, you know. Throwing balls to first base when there's a four, when there's a runner on first, less than two outs, throwing it to first base, just throwing it to first base. <laughs> Not even gonna worry about the guy that's going to second. Not gonna worry about that guy. That guy, forget that guy. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Go to first base. All uh, right, that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode. Scott and I are gonna record a few more times this week. We're gonna do some season-ending grades where we're going through all the stats there. Um, probably do. Uh, that later I think we're going to try and record that on Wednesday and then obviously whenever that press conference happens we will react to it as well thanks guys for listening we'll talk to you in a few days hey guys thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone if you do like the show we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a 5 star rating and review in iTunes it really helps us out and allows us to create more shows We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.